eleventh section of the aeroplane in war by claude graham white and harry harper this librivox recording is in the public domain the cost of war aeroplanes one why manufacturers charge high prices cost of experimental work building of trial machines a decidedly interesting question is that of the cost of aeroplanes it represents a consideration also which is of practical importance from the military point of view so far the price of any aeroplane of a well-known make has been high an ordinary type biplane for example fitted with a gnome engine has been selling for approximately one thousand pounds a monoplane of established repute built to carry a pilot alone has been listed at nine hundred pounds a military type biplane capable of carrying three men has been selling at something like twelve hundred pounds and a reconnoitering monoplane for two occupants has been priced at a figure in excess of one thousand pounds there has as a matter of fact been good reason for the manufacturers to demand high prices for their machines the expenses of a builder of aeroplanes are extremely heavy his business is not at all like any ordinary commercial undertaking he does not merely build a machine and then sell it he has costly researches to undertake and wearisome and expensive experimental work to carry out let us take a typical example a prominent manufacturer in france designed a monoplane which embodied improvements upon existing practice having the facilities of a well-equipped workshop he speedily put his ideas to a practical test and commenced the building of a machine this occupied some weeks during which time of course the builder had the wages of his engineers to pay then when the machine was ready for tests he had to hand it over to his professional aviator another well-paid employee the monoplane was taken to the private flying ground which the manufacturer found it necessary to rent and here for a week or so first experiments were carried out the wages of the aviator being augmented by those of a regular staff of mechanics the result of the trials was that after securing useful data the monoplane was irretrievably wrecked in landing after a flight whereupon the manufacturer had to face the expense of building a second machine embodying further improvements suggested and going through the whole routine again this he did devoting several weeks of his men's time to constructing the new machine once more when it was finished the professional aviator took it in hand this time after an even shorter career than the first machine the monoplane was broken up again however improvements suggested themselves 
and so the maker embarked patiently upon the construction of a third model to cut a long story short this process of evolution went on until six monoplanes had been built each one more reliable in action than its predecessor it was only in fact when a seventh machine stood ready that the manufacturer considered he had a flying machine he could offer to prospective purchasers as a safe and improved type in fixing the price that he should ask for this new model the manufacturer was guided naturally by the outlay that had been necessary in perfecting it it would have been unreasonable under such circumstances for the purchaser to expect to buy the machine at a figure which represented a small profit for its builder over and above the actual cost of production of that one model having spent thousands of pounds upon his experiments the manufacturer was obliged to recoup himself by charging a high price for his goods another factor would also govern price in such circumstances as these the manufacturer would have no guarantee as to selling any fixed number of machines in the case of a new motor-car for instance the machine is standardized and if it is a good one a large number are sold this naturally reduces the price per machine but in the case of this new monoplane even if it is the best produced at the moment the question of the number to be sold is an unsatisfactorily vague quantity after only two or three have been disposed of for instance another machine may be put upon the market which is a few miles an hour faster whereupon the aviators who are intent upon winning speed prizes quickly devote their attention to the new machine as may be imagined therefore what with enormously heavy first costs and a doubtful sale even when a good machine is produced the manufacturer of aeroplanes has no alternative but to charge a high price for the machines he does succeed in disposing of let us consider for a moment the experience of such a famous manufacturer as m louis blériot it was in nineteen o six that he began experimenting with monoplanes entirely at his own expense and he was spending money lavishly on new machines and devoting a vast amount of time to the problem until the summer of nineteen o nine apart from the money he spent and the aircraft he broke up he risked his life on many occasions in attempting to fly on machines which were entirely experimental it was estimated indeed that before this famous airman and constructor flew the channel in july nineteen o nine he had expended a fortune upon aerial research work it was perfectly legitimate therefore that he should endeavour to recoup himself for all his time and expense when a sale did spring up for his machines it has not been a case since then of producing machines of a standard type directly he had perfected the simple low-powered monoplane upon which he crossed from france to england m bleriot began experimenting with a more powerful machine 
and so he has been engaged ever since in his works in paris for example m Blériot employs a skilled staff of draughtsmen who are busy every day upon designs for new machines he must keep pace with his rivals and he must meet the growing demands of the military service faster and more reliable machines are demanded every day and strenuous efforts must be made to fulfil these demands therefore the expense of running an aeroplane factory is exceptionally high these facts are interesting as they explain why a few bits of stick and canvas and an engine as an aeroplane has been described should cost as much as one thousand pounds it is not so much the wood and the canvas and the engine that the purchaser is paying for as the months and perhaps years of patient toil and ceaseless expense which have gone to the production of a practical machine high prices are charged for aeroplane engines here again the same causes are at work most costly are the preliminary expenses connected with the production of a new petrol engine in the case of a famous gnome for instance many thousands of pounds were spent upon a series of experimental engines before a reliable model could be obtained two economy of a large military order for machines the incidental expenses the idea has been conveyed by the previous notes that the aeroplane is an expensive machine so it is at present so far as the private purchaser is concerned although its champions are already prone to point out that a first-class flying machine does not cost more than a high-powered luxurious motor-car when the aeroplane is regarded as a weapon of war however it should not be considered expensive it is in fact remarkably cheap particularly when compared with the cost of other forms of armament the prices previously quoted as representing the cost of the best makes of aeroplane have been for individual machines and this introduces a point which is greatly in favour of any war department when it seeks to equip itself with a number of aeroplanes through placing orders for a batch of machines instead of buying one here and there any government should be able materially to reduce the price of any make grant for the sake of argument that a country decides to provide itself with a fleet of a hundred war aeroplanes the policy in such a case would be to look around at the beginning of any flying season and make a selection say of the three types of machine best suited for the tasks arising in military work it would certainly not be wise to buy a hundred machines all of one type although by so doing the price for each machine could be more reduced than in the case of splitting up an order between several manufacturers but such a policy of having all one's eggs in one basket would not be judicious or fair to the industry as a whole government policy in this regard should be to support as many manufacturers as is reasonably possible and thus ensure the industry maintaining a healthy position orders placed with a number of makers would be necessary in fact but even with such a distribution as this a considerable saving of expense could be made expert estimates have been given as to the cost per machine of a hundred war aeroplanes all ordered at the same time and a reasonably exact figure places the average price for each machine at six hundred pounds this represents a very definite reduction upon the price of a single machine and it also indicates that in the future when aeroplanes are bought 
in even larger numbers for war purposes the cost of each machine will become an almost insignificant item insignificant that is to say when compared with the cost of other forms of armament when a thousand machines can be ordered and built at one time for example the cost per machine will be enormously reduced there should be no outcry indeed as to the cost of war aeroplanes the admiralty embarks without question upon the construction of a great battleship although it knows that each huge craft will speedily become obsolete this money is not grudged it is for the defence of the country the same attitude should be taken up as regards the creation of a fleet of war aeroplanes they too have become essential weapons war aeroplanes are in their own sphere quite as important as battleships and the contrast between the two weapons in the matter of price is extraordinary for the price of one dreadnought it is indeed estimated that a fleet of a couple of thousand aeroplanes could be created an enthusiastic advocate of the war aeroplane puts this matter of cost very forcibly it is as nothing he declares a vote of a few hundred thousand pounds would place the whole air service on a sound basis so far as england is concerned the net cost of each aeroplane in a squadron is an absolutely insignificant item of expense when we reckon what we are spending in other ways on our army and navy one aircraft represents only about twice the amount spent in making one of the great shells fired by our biggest naval guns it is this astonishing cheapness of the aeroplane having regard to its revolutionary work which is the surprising factor of the situation it will mean of course that flying machines will be used eventually in huge fleets naturally the purchase of a hundred machines does not represent the total outlay in connection with the establishment of a well-equipped air corps an organization must be built up round these machines and there must be men not only to fly them but to keep them in a state of efficiency and there is the need also of housing the air fleet the question of providing sheds for a fleet of machines is an important one aeroplanes must be well housed or their depreciation is rapid whatever sheds are provided must apart from being strong and weatherproof be portable as well under the same heading also should come the workshops some of them portable necessary to cope with repairs and renewals in connection with machines this too is an important item as first-class repair work is an essential feature in the organization of any air service an estimate of the money that should be expended upon sheds and repair shops for a fleet of a hundred aeroplanes places the amount at twenty thousand pounds money should not be stinted in this direction good sheds and efficient repairs should both tell their tale when the aeroplane is used in a campaign now it is necessary to touch upon the question of military flying grounds and the expense incurred in keeping them in proper order also the sum of money necessary to provide a sufficient number of motor transport lorries for the air fleet as has been explained the plan generally adopted is for an aeroplane to be transported from point to point on a lorry and followed by a repair car in regard to the english trials of war aeroplanes the point is made in connection with the size of the packing cases for machines of the possibility of transporting aircraft by railway in time of war undoubtedly under favourable circumstances this would provide a rapid method of bringing up machines from a distance under the headings of the expenditure 
upon flying grounds and the provision of motor lorries to follow aeroplanes and act as transport wagons a reasonable estimate of the sum to be ex expended in connection with the fleet of a hundred machines is twenty thousand pounds the sum of one hundred thousand pounds should be sufficient not only to purchase a hundred war aeroplanes but to equip the corps with sheds and repair shops and also to maintain flying grounds and provide an adequate number of motor lorries this amount allocated for machines and incidentals of government would find itself face to face with the question of providing officers and men for the air corps pay for this corps should it is considered be represented by an annual sum of approximately sixty thousand pounds three question of renewals general cheapness of an air corps as compared with other forms of armament a point of considerable importance in regard to an air corps concerns the money which should be put aside each year for the provision of new machines one eminently practical authority colonel j e capper reckons that in connection with the fleet of a hundred aeroplanes an allowance should be made for the purchase of forty new machines each year upon this question of renewals there is however diversity of opinion the contention is made for example that a government should be prepared at the commencement of the flying season to relegate all its previous year's machines to the schools for the use of pupils and purchase a new fleet of up-to-date craft for use in wartime such a drastic step however should not be necessary it would be advisable of course to weed out a number of machines from time to time for the reason that they become obsolete and such machines should as suggested find a place at the schools for the use of beginners the exact number of new aeroplanes which it should be advisable to buy in any one year must be governed very largely by the process of perfection which goes on for the next year or so it is probable an allowance for renewals will need to be a heavy one afterwards as the rate of improvement becomes slower the purchase of new machines will represent a lighter item a good reconnoitring biplane save the flying season of nineteen eleven is not likely to become obsolete in nineteen twelve a new machine will probably fly farther and faster and carry more weight but the nineteen eleven biplane will still be capable of useful work and need not be relegated to the scrap heap it will behoove a government of course to equip itself with as many new type machines as possible and an estimate of forty new machines a year in connection with a fleet of a hundred is by no means unreasonable this of course presupposes a logical process of development with an improved type of machine appearing from year to year should a revolutionary discovery be made the plans of all nations would be altered it might then become necessary in the interests of national safety to scrap a whole fleet of aeroplanes in order to make way for the type which had made them obsolete but the unexpected production of an aeroplane immeasurably superior to existing models is not anticipated already it is true the way can be seen to make many improvements upon present type aeroplanes but in regard to such a difficult problem as that of aviation the testing and perfecting of any new device however simple cannot be hastily carried out one other consideration in regard to the running costs of a fleet of machines now presents itself this concerns the allowance to be made for the general upkeep of the aeroplanes and for such items as the provision of petrol and oil here an expert computation 
places the figure for an air service of a hundred machines at a sum of sixteen thousand pounds it is possible to arrive at a summary of the cost of the purchase and upkeep of a fleet of a hundred machines first would come the expenditure of one hundred thousand pounds upon the aeroplanes themselves and incidentals and then the government would need to be ready to spend another one hundred thousand pounds a year upon the upkeep of the corps such estimates as this go to reveal the inadequacy of the grant made by the british government for the year nineteen eleven to twelve as has been previously mentioned the actual sum devoted to aeroplaning dirigible ballooning and the upkeep of the air battalion has been eighty five thousand pounds owing to the costliness of airships only a small portion of this sum has been devoted to aeroplanes there is no chance with such a grant as this of mapping out an adequate programme for aeroplane work our aerial programme for nineteen twelve to thirteen while the greater portion of this book was already in the press and too late for classification or detailed comment the government's programme in regard to naval and military airmanship for nineteen twelve to thirteen was duly announced the appended summary of the official scheme is from the memorandum concerning the army estimates issued by the secretary of state for war sufficient experience has now been gained in military aviation to warrant advance on less tentative lines and after careful consideration by the committee of imperial defence it has been decided to establish at once a joint army and navy school of aviation at which officers of both services shall be taught to fly before proceeding to the separate army and navy establishments at which they will be exercised in the more specialized requirements of their respective services a site for the school has been selected on salisbury plain and the purchase of the necessary land will be completed at the beginning of april building to plans which have been already prepared will be pressed forward rapidly and it is hoped at a very early date to have accommodation at the school for officers and men instructors and mechanics as well as the necessary sheds for aeroplanes and workshops for their repair and adjustment provision has also been made on an extended scale for purchase of aeroplanes and other necessary equipment for the school officers of both services will be employed on the staff of the school and its expenses other than cost of land will be shared between army and navy votes the estimates further provide for continuing the experimental and other work of the army aircraft factory for further buildings required for airships for an addition of personnel to army establishments for aeroplane work and for a considerable number of aeroplanes as a first instalment of the equipment of the field army the total provision for the above services made in these estimates compares with that made in nineteen eleven to twelve as follows nineteen twelve to thirteen compared with nineteen eleven to twelve establishment of army personnel for aeronautical work twenty five thousand pounds twenty thousand pounds premiums to officers gaining pilot certificates three thousand pounds nothing staff of new school five thousand pounds nothing aeroplanes stores and materials for factory and school one hundred and sixty one thousand pounds eighty five thousand pounds buildings including army share of school buildings thirty eight thousand pounds twenty six thousand pounds land for school ninety thousand pounds nothing less admiralty contribution to general expenses of school 
three hundred and twenty two thousand pounds one hundred and thirty one thousand pounds fourteen thousand pounds nothing increased provision three hundred and eight thousand pounds one hundred and thirty one thousand pounds one hundred and seventy seven thousand pounds nothing for a full statement of the government's aerial programme it is not possible to do better than reproduce the speech as printed in the times which was made by colonel seeley parliamentary under-secretary of state for war colonel seeley explaining in the house of commons the official scheme for the forthcoming year said he now came to what was called aviation though he hoped that that detestable word would vanish from the english language with regard to the defence of the country the prime minister had appointed a committee of which lord haldane was the chairman that committee settled broad principles and entrusted the making out of the complete scheme to a technical committee of which he acted as chairman this committee was at work during the whole of last recess and prepared a scheme which the full committee had accepted in all parts except the details as to pay the scheme had that morning been approved by the prime minister and would now be carried into effect there was to be one flying corps embracing soldiers sailors and civilians all who could fly and would take the obligation to serve this country in time of war in any part of the world no man would hold executive rank in the flying corps unless he was himself an expert flyer the present air battalion would cease to exist and part of it would be absorbed in the new organization the corps would be one corps and as far as possible all the officers would be paid and treated alike in a purely land war the whole flying corps would be available for land warfare and in a purely naval war for naval warfare the headquarters would be near nether avon on salisbury plain where a large tract had been purchased at a cost of about ninety thousand pounds in the first instance accommodation would be provided for sixty officers at the school at any one time there would be three terms of four months each and it was proposed to pass through a hundred and eighty officers in each year if an officer wished to join the flying corps it first to get the consent of the military authorities then to be passed by the doctor and afterwards obtain his royal aero club certificate at a private aerodrome it was not proposed to use the central school for teaching officers to fly they would learn the elements of the art elsewhere and go to the flying school for the more advanced course after receiving the royal aero club certificate and before presenting themselves they would receive seventy-five pounds which it was believed would cover the cost this arrangement had already been in force some little time he believed between twenty and thirty officers had received the seventy-five pounds afterwards the officers would be attached to the central air school and would go through a course of four months they would learn progressive flying mechanics and construction meteorology observation from the air flying by compass photography from the air signalling and types of warships of all nations after this course the officer of the air corps whatever his origin would either join the military wing or the naval wing or go straight to the reserve the military wing would consist of seven aeroplane squadrons each containing twelve aeroplanes and a suitable number of officers for flying there would be an eighth squadron consisting of balloons and kites the naval wing would have headquarters at east church the numbers had not yet been finally settled but they would be considerable and would be increased in the reserve there would be two classes 
the first reserve consisting of airmen who performed so many flights across country in each quarter and received a retaining fee and the second reserve consisting of those who did not enter into this undertaking but would be available in time of war both the army and navy wings of the air corps would always be on a war footing and the peace and war establishments would be the same the army aircraft factory would cease to be called by the, that name and would become the aircraft factory for the whole flying corps its function would include experiment and building experimental machines making repairs to machines where that was thought of desirable sometimes building machines though that would not be its primary duty and training in expert knowledge the numerous mechanics who would be required for this new service the scheme involved the purchase of a hundred and thirty-one aeroplanes he was not sure they could all be bought this year though the obstacle was not expense the first seventy-one had been sanctioned already the orders for a great many of them had gone out and the others were in process of negotiation not so many had been ordered from british manufacturers as could be wished but that was because the technical members of his committee realized in this they had the full approval of the whole committee that the first essential was efficiency and safety in many respects france had gone a long way ahead of us in both those matters the government could not buy british machines at the price of human life but no doubt this difficulty would soon be overcome for a great many of the best brains were undoubtedly at work making the aeroplane not only more speedy and efficient but safer the risk the officers would run would be very great the insurance rates were very high but it was some consideration to know that in france they had enormously increased the safety of learning to fly one school had covered one hundred and sixty thousand kilometres without accident it was to be hoped the risk would be reduced but they would still be very great and he trusted the house would not grudge the expense involved in making adequate payment to officers and giving an adequate scale of pensions in the event of their being seriously injured cheers the military wing required at once to fly these aeroplanes a hundred and thirty-three officers the navy a number not yet fixed but thirty or forty at once and the reserve a number which would depend on the progress of our science in the near future they had not got the hundred and thirty-three military officers no doubt many officers would volunteer it could only be hoped that they would learn to fly with as little accident as possible it had been settled that the officers should learn to fly at private flying schools first because it was desirable to encourage private effort and secondly because they thought there was less risk of accident in the initial stages if this method was adopted it was a method which had been largely followed in france and it had obvious advantages it was greatly to the interest of the owner of an aerodrome to avoid accident when officers had learned the elementary art of flying they would go to the central flying school this official announcement of policy as revealed above unfortunately comes too late for more than the briefest criticism in these pages all that can be said indeed is that the scheme prepared while certainly representing a stride forward in comparison with the previous apathy of our authorities is still inadequate when contrasted with the activities of either france or germany in france close upon one hundred thousand pounds has been subscribed by an enthusiastic public to augment the million which the government will expend germany has increased an original vote to the tune of one hundred thousand pounds our scheme can only be regarded as a beginning and in several respects a disappointing one seeing that at the end of the present flying season both france and germany will inevitably have still further increased their already long lead agitation for a more ambitious aerial programme in england must not indeed cease this 
nineteen twelve to thirteen scheme is not sound enough to relieve public uneasiness we are lamentably behind and adequate steps have not even now been taken to bring us on anything like a level with foreign rivals despite the fact that the aeroplane has been proved to be an absolutely revolutionary weapon of modern war note amplifying the official statement of policy previously quoted the authorities issued on twelfth april nineteen twelve a fuller explanation of their aerial program but it throws no very clear light upon the immediate future and although it deals with plans which are ambitious it is disquietingly vague concerning the all-important questions of finance the official design is it is stated to form seven aeroplane squadrons each comprising twelve aeroplanes and to man this air fleet a force of three hundred and sixty-four pilots and observers will be required in addition there will be forty airmen who will be trained specifically in the duties of naval airmanship but the facilities actually provided as apart from paper schemes are still so meagre that it will only be possible during this year to train a very small proportion of the corps set forth above thus it is to be feared that at the end of nineteen twelve our position will continue to compare most unfavorably with that of either france or germany we are more than a year behind and seem likely to remain so end of eleventh section